Hey folks, I'm Kathy Parker with Beyond the Ball Field. This is not your typical sports show. We won't be talking X's and O's, but we will be talking about raising your family in the sports-crazed world. Let's not only survive sports, but let's learn to thrive on and off the field. So please, join us as we look at life beyond the ball field. All right, today we have the privilege of speaking with Brian Houston, Coach Brian Houston. And I want to tell you a little bit of how I met Brian. Okay, I have a book out, it's called Northern Lights, and it tells the whole story. But I'm going to sort of just recap quickly. All right, my husband's a coach, my kids played ball, we're watching ESPN one night, or, and we see this special about Barrow, Alaska. I'd never heard of Barrow. I didn't know where Barrow was. I didn't know it's the most Northern American settlement with no roads going in. But anyway, they did the story about Barrow, Alaska on the frozen tundra, starting a football program, playing on gravel because they cannot grow grass. We are so moved by that story. At the time, my husband was putting in an artificial turf field in Jacksonville, Florida, and God just put it on my heart. Hey, if you need this for your kids, how much more do they need it there? got in touch with the school system there. One thing led to another. Anyway, within six months of us announcing in our community that we wanted to put an artificial turf field in Barrow, Alaska, the field was installed. But the most amazing thing out of this whole story was that we got to have this team from Alaska come to Jacksonville, Florida and practice with our team. We got to meet these coaches. We got to make relationships with 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 these coaches. Relationships that still are, are, are flourishing today. Relationships that would evolve into things that would be life-changing. Brian Houston is at the top of that list. He was a coach on the team in Barrow, Alaska. And he came to Jacksonville. That was the first time that I'd met him. I had spoken with him several times over the phone, but met him when he came down with his team. He ended up um, hanging out with our family a good bit. He ended up going with the with the both teams, uh, the team from Jacksonville at Bartram Trail and the team from Barrow. They were invited to a church service in in Jacksonville at a Fruit Cove Baptist Church. He ended up giving his life to the Lord. He ended up later being the head coach of the, of the team in Barrow, and our relationship has continued through the years. Um, the thing that I love about Brian is he knows that this opportunity to sow into the lives of these young men that he coaches, he doesn't take it for granted. He uses it to to sow things into them that are life-changing. He cares about who they become, things that are going to last far beyond what they learn in that sport, but things that are going to impact the rest of their life, what kind of husbands they're going to be, what kind of fathers they're going to be, what kind of citizens they're going to be, community leaders that they're going to be. I love Brian's story. I love talking to him, and I could talk to him for hours. But today, I just want to ask him some questions, and hopefully it'll help you understand a little bit about about Barrow and and what kind of community it is. Now, I will tell you, Barrow changed their name a couple of years ago, and I practiced a whole lot on how to say it, and it's Utkiavik. And when I went to Barrow um, last year, I had really, really practiced, and I noticed that nobody was saying Utkiavik. Everybody was still saying Barrow. And I said, wait a minute, I've really practiced. I need you to listen to me say it. And they were real proud of me, you know, <laughs> for saying it correctly. But I butchered it a whole lot before then. But it is Utkiavik. But I still call it Barrow a lot. A lot of people still call it Barrow. And I figured if the native people call it Barrow, then we can call it Barrow today on this on this show. So I hope you enjoy uh, listening uh, to my conversation with Coach Brian Houston. And for those of you out there that do pour into young people, um, the whole message about you know why we do this, um, I think it resonates with this interview. I hope you enjoy. All right, Coach Brian Houston, one of my one of my favorites. I'm very very blessed to have 
met this man, and my husband and I have a great relationship with him and and um, continue to follow him and where he is and what he's doing. Brian, I know you're in the Anchorage area now. I know your team, uh, you can brag a little bit about them. I know they won the state championship yeah, yeah. last year, and rightfully so for you to for brag, brag a little bit. But what I want to talk to you about today is about how you ended up in Barrow, Alaska. And if you can give, um, just help people that have never traveled, uh, or even people who have maybe traveled to the state of Alaska, but do not know where Barrow is, um, how that is quite a different place. And as a young man coming into that area, what your thoughts were and what made it so different? Yeah. So uh, the reason that I, I, I came to Alaska was uh, my dad was living here in Alaska and had been living here for you know, quite some time. You know, my parents had separated when, when, when I was younger um, and I just came up to, to get a relationship with him. And, you know, for me, it was a, a, a change, a life changing experience. The first time I came to Alaska, I was 19 years old. I was coming from the East Coast and, you know, in the Boston area, living in a city. And I've never, you know, I've never been that far away from home. You know, I flew over the Rockies and I, and, and I was I, I thought I was <laughs> I didn't know where I was at. I just felt pretty like I was adventurous, but I was scared. But I was, you know, I was ready for, for something different and new. And when I landed in Alaska, um, it was uh, I saw mountains and, you know, Growing up in the city, you just, unless you live in an area like that, you don't see, you're not surrounded by nature of any kind. You know, I saw the mountains and it was pretty interesting. Um, a, a, a quick funny story is that when I, when I first got here, that um, I um, uh, couldn't get to Barrow because I had missed the last flight, um, the flight that I came in on. So they put me up in a hotel and I, uh, um, I was sitting in the hotel room and Kathy, you know, you know, we have long daylight hours here in Alaska. At the time I was very green. I was just telling the story to my, my, my girlfriend yesterday and her sister. And it was, they, they, they got a good laugh out of it. Um, I was sitting there in the room. It was about 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night and the sun is still out and shining. And I was like, I started to get a little nervous. And so um, I walked down to the corner store and I um, I went up and I, to the counter and I asked the lady, now you'll get a chuckle out of this because I asked the lady, I said, are we having an eclipse or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> an eclipse. <laughs> so. <laughs> she said, you, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> oh, okay. You know what? I'll tell you, Kathy. You sound pretty much like she was. I mean, she was a Southern <laughs> woman, and she said with a Southern accent, she said, honey, you're not from around here, are you? And I just, <laughs> I'm like, you can tell. But that was kind of my first, my first experience of being here in Alaska. And then, you know, I flew on to, to, to Barrow and um, uh, flying up over the Brooks Range and the snow-capped mountains and all the snow there. Um, in the springtime, because I went up and it was about May or so, um, it was just, it, it, I'd never seen anything like it before, you know. Um, it's like May, there's snow on the ground. I had a little thin, like, windbreaker jacket on, not, not being fully prepared or aware of what I was getting myself into. But I'll, but I'll say this, that um, when I got there, and my dad started um, taking me around and showing, just driving me around the town. Um, I will say this in comparison, it was really no different than the city that I grew up in, you know. In Boston. And in, in, in Boston, you know, in, in Brockton, Massachusetts. So, mm -hmm. like, driving around, so, you know, I started, I started noticing um, boarded up buildings, you know, that nobody was living in. And um, cars up on blocks in people's yards, you know, uh, dogs tied up, um, uh, you know, all alone. No, nobody giving them really any attention. And I was like, man, 
it looks familiar. It's just cold. There's just a lot of snow on the ground, you know, on the outside. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, my, 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 my dad, my dad was, uh, married to a, a native woman. Um, and, uh, he brought me to, um, which was my grandmother's house, you know, my step-grandmother, her name was Muck P. And when I went into her house, it was kind of like I stepped into like my own grandmother's house because there were several generations of people living in the home and yeah. they're like, you know, uncles, cousins, like it, it was, I was like, man, this is no different than Boston or Alabama or any other place that, you know, I've, you know, lived or resided or been, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so that was a good feeling. And that um, strong sense of family. Um, right. With, and especially what you you said, the native, uh, that your grandmother was native. And right. for people that don't necessarily know about the um, the the native people there in in that area. Um, can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit of, of just how would you describe them? I have ways that that I describe them, but um, um, what what way would you d- say you would describe the Inupiat people? I, I would say that the Inupiat people are very prideful people. They 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 definitely take pride in who they are and their culture and and the preservation of it. Um, they are uh, a resourceful group of people who, you know, like many people that, you know, don't have, uh, you know, lots of resources that they, they create resources and make resources, uh, for themselves so that they can survive, you know, and they've done very well here for themselves. But, um, the, the, the one thing that I, I, I do enjoy about the new fact culture is that, um, they, they are so accepting of others, of outsiders that bring you in. And, you know, anyone who comes into the community of the North Slope, if you are, you know, non-native and you're or native, you're just a visitor, you know, Kathy, I'm sure you've seen it. Mm-hmm. They roll out the red carpet for you. Yes. I mean, they're so, they're so inviting of people. So yeah. it makes it really difficult for you not to like them. Well, <laughs> so, they have a gift of hospitality. They also yes. have some gifts that I think in the lower 48, we've gotten somewhat away from. But like you said, um, when you don't have the resources and you have to rely on one another and Mm -hmm. you live in a harsh climate, um, you have to take care of one another. And like you said, you know, many generations taking care of the way that they respect their elders, uh, those things Mm -hmm. um, just make them such a, a people group that you just want to watch and you just want to see how they've done it and how they've been successful, uh, especially with the subsistence society that they are living off the land, sea and the air and how that um, they know how to hunt. They know how to fish. They know how to make clothing. They know how to make the parkas. Mm-hmm. They, um, you know, the, what they cook, what they sew, the uh, things they do with their hands. Just, just amazing, amazing group of people. What are some they, of the things? Are, yeah, go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say, they, they, they're, they're very social in that way. And you know what? They could maintain without any outside help or resources like, you know, a lot of communities would probably need, you know, yeah. they have cellars full of food, you know, there's a group of hunters, you know, if we look at it in a traditional way or uh, maybe a Western way that, you know, there are hunters and gatherers and, and they, they know their roles and they, and they play them very well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And they have to. And for those that don't know, we're talking about a community that is isolated. Um, they there are no roads going in or out. And um, what is the the closest town is like uh, five hundred and twenty seven hundred. Wow. 700, oh, no, you're right. So Fairbanks is five hundred some odd miles away and Anchorage is seven hundred and twenty or something like that. Wow. So, Wow. Yeah. So that, that's how far they set up above the Arctic Circle. It's, it's crazy. Yes. So the most northern, um, the most northern community and yeah. very harsh climate, 
Uh, there are flights that go in Alaskan Airlines. It is the last stop mm-hmm. that Alaska Airlines um, yeah. makes. And I think, don't they have like two flights that come in daily? They have two, two flights daily that uh, um, they come up, Alaska Airlines. And then, you know, we have well, Raven Air. They, they kind of, they're selling themselves. They went bankrupt, but they'll, they'll be back there. Um, okay. We'll also, they supply uh, services to the you know surrounding villages so okay. and they do fly to Fairbanks and Anchorage but it's like a it's a day trip <laughs> trying to fly on one of those things so there you are at 19 um and I know you're used to cold weather because you came from Boston yeah. but yeah, um, you probably yeah. had not experienced that type of cold oh yeah that, I, that kind of cold was something really new to me and um <laughs> my my one of the experiences I remember of like that cold was um you know my dad is a mechanic by trade and um he'd give me a vehicle when I got there and this is probably a few I think I had probably uh just graduated from college and I came back up to work and um uh he'd give me a truck and the hose there was a hose that broke on it. And I'm like, you know, I go and I'm like, hey, dad, dad, the hose broke on the truck. Could you change it out for me? You know? And Kathy gets up and he goes in the garage and I see him gathering tools and everything for it. And he puts it on the workbench and he walks back in the house and I, you know, I follow him in. I'm like, hey, <laughs> are you going to change the hose? <laughs> He's like, I got I got you everything you need to change the hose. Uh-huh. And, uh, the, the funny thing is, he says to me, he says, he goes, hey, I'm a mechanic and you're my son. You should know how to change your hose. <laughs> and I'm like, I said, well, dad, you know what? I know how to extract DNA out of a blood sample. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, says, <laughs> he says, well, what's that got to do with changing the hose? Yeah, what good is that going to do me- us? <laughs> I said, what, I said, well, what good is it you being a mechanic and you being your son to change the hose bag? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> but anyhow, I, I had to go change the hose. And you know what? Yeah, it had to be probably the coldest day I'd ever encountered there. So um, I couldn't pull it into the garage, so I had to do it right outside the garage. Wow. And, uh, it, you know, it took a blowtorch. Like, you know, I had to heat up the, the hose and the clamp wow. and those things. And um, I literally got frostbite on my nose and my cheeks from, from being out there. Wow. And I, I was like, man, I don't ever want to experience with that kind of cold again. So. Um, and having things um, readily available. I know I've gone to that area several times now. And one yep. of the things, you know, if you you keep those parts uh that you might need for your vehicle, you you would keep them right. in your home so that because there's no like, oh, I need this, I'm gonna go run down to the hardware store. No, there, there isn't any of that. So you know, when I told you about the uh, the vehicles, you know, up on blocks in people's yards, you know, those are parts. Yeah, you I don't mean, throw you away don't, anything. No, you don't throw you don't throw away anything. And people are pretty resourceful, and you know. Um, they use parts for everything, and if they see something that they need, they'll come and they'll come and ask you. You know, you, you want to sell it or if you're going to use it. And most times, people kind of just you know they they figure out a way and they barter it out, and uh, people get stuff like that. You know, one of the things that, that I was thinking of, Kathy, is going to explain how um, they they are. So when I was living there, um, uh, my neighbor next door to me. Um, one day somebody had taken my shovel and I was like, man, what's going on? Like, where's my shovel? <clears throat> so I went to the, my, my neighbor and I grabbed his shovel and I went back and I, and I used it and, and I just stuck it in my yard and um, not thinking about returning the back or anything. <clears throat> and next day we're both leaving the house at the same time. And he's like, he's like, Hey, you got my shovel over there? I said, yeah, it's over here. And he's like, okay. It's just kind of like, he just wanted to know where it was. It wasn't, he was, you know, Anywhere else, if you went and borrowed someone's shovel like that, they'd probably be really upset. Like, hey, you're stealing my shovel, and mm-hmm. you know. But he was like, hey, he knew where it was at. He knew that he could come and get it at any time. Although somebody had already taken my shovel, it was pretty great to know that he wasn't upset about it and was like, hey, we can share it, you know. 
We both mm-hmm. got a shovel snow, so which was something that you know I'd never encountered before. Yeah, I had seen several um, things that I had not experienced before. Um, on my very first trip to Barrow, um, I had done an interview at the radio station, and when I walked mm-hmm. out on the steps of the radio station, there were like bags of chips and that kind of thing. And just a little sign that said, you know, take what you want. And then Uh I know we had a, like a covered dish at the school and people said, Oh, let's leave it out for, you know, people that might walk in off the street and want to eat. And just, you know, the way that you shared, Mm -hmm. you shared. And that was just amazing, you know, to think, okay, they're thinking constantly, you know, about their neighbor. Yeah, always. And that, that's the great thing is, uh, you know, um, I, I still experience it now, even with you know, like with my girlfriend or my kids. It's like if you open up a bag of chips, you can rest assured that there are going to be many hands that can go into that bag of chips. <laughs> like, you know, you don't don't ever, you know, and it's got me out of the mindset of like, which is pretty great. Like, you know, being a Christian, it's what you want to do. You want to share anyhow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so, and, and, you know, we get blessed from that anyhow. So mm-hmm. like, you know, whenever I open a bag of chips, first thing I do is just kind of offer it to everybody, you know, go around and like, you know, Hey, do you, do you want some? Well, if you do, they're over here and I got them. And, you know, yeah. no matter how big or small the bag is, you know, it's just that, you know, I, I, I know in return, it'll be, it'll come back to me some way, somehow, you know? Um, so, but yeah, it's definitely taught me how to share and open up and not be so selfish and, I'm thinking of myself only. Yes. Yeah. There's no, uh, these belong to me. Uh, and you know, that just doesn't, that just doesn't exist there. So just uh, so many amazing things about the people and their culture. So Mm -hmm. in speaking about that, um, in 2006, when you were there, uh, being a part of the community, being a very, um, industrious part of the community with with you mm-hmm. working with the uh, youth and um what yeah. what was your exact position at that time so uh when i worked there i was uh i was uh i worked for the office of children's services you know doing child protection and um i i was um a social worker supervisor for my office for our area so i covered the whole north slope um, and I had a, you know, staff there that I supervised and we, you know, we took care of all the child protection cases and we worked with the tribe, uh, also in helping them and, you know, uh, attending to the needs of, you know, of anything with neglect or abuse against the tribal members also. Was there one thing that you noticed, um, that, you know, family issues that, maybe stood out to you as being something that needed to be addressed or um, was it just pretty much like every city? You know what? We, in actuality, we have the same ills that you would find um, anywhere else in America. You know, you know and that's uh, so amazing because you think, oh, you know, it's so isolated and there's, you know, such a, yeah. a small population, you know, that you can keep all that under control, but that's really not the case, is it? No, it, 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 it isn't. And, um, you know, the one thing that stuck out the most is that, um, because it was such a small community that everything had a fishbowl appearance, okay. you know? So yeah, you couldn't when, do something and get get by with it <laughs> without yeah, yeah, everybody it, it, knowing. <laughs> it, it just looked it would it, it always everything always looked so grandiose. It'd be a small thing. So like you know, I, I, I'd say that we had we had an issue that I dealt with there with um, there was there was a, 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 a man in town who was taking advantage of young girls and um, you know uh, getting them to use heroin. And he was taking advantage of them, you know, um, and, and, you know, that one person, but you would have thought that, you know, there were thousands of people addicted, but it, but it was affecting the children. So people took notice of it and yeah. they actually ran them out of town. Like they went to him and said, you, you just need to leave. Yeah. I mean, um, it was like one of the first times that I, I, I 
they used to do in the old days, or well, before I got there, I should say, that they used to give people blue tickets. And blue tickets were, they didn't want you in the community. They're yeah. giving you a one-way ticket out of town. So uh, <laughs> hey, that, that might work sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they they don't care where you go or who you know you know uh, or what you do. They just want you out of their community. Uh-huh. And that, that's kind of like what they did with this person. Said, hey, you need to leave, or you you, you know, it, it's not going to be nice for you here. So. Um, but they but they did. But at that time, you know, there had been some, you know, drugs had come into the community. And of yeah. course, alcohol, just like you said, every other community mm-hmm. that deals with those things. And then, you know, you put on top of it, um, maybe idle time or put on top of it, um, the long days or either long, you know, dark, you know, the, the nights. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it can it can really um lead to some complacency do you think yeah it, you, you know actually living uh the communal lifestyle that they live and you have so many generations in one household um that uh there comes a sense of complacency when it comes to discipline mm. you know yeah they they, they don't want to be they want to be harsh but they don't want to be too harsh and sometimes i think you know, um, I, and, and I can say just from my experience of working with protective services that, you know, that they they fall to the side of being minimal when mm-hmm. it comes to discipline and, and not wanting to be kind of harsh and give more tough love. You, you know, I think right now the community has grown into a point where, where the generation of parents right now yeah. are becoming a lot more stricter with their kids and holding their ki- children more accountable. Mm. You know, uh, w- when I got there, you know, you, you, they were coming out of, you know, the, the generation of, uh, you know, so, you know, you had everyone sent off to school. And so those parents with their kids didn't want to be as strict with their kids because, you know, they felt they had been, you know, treated harshly yeah. um, when they were sent out to school. So that mm-hmm. generation there, there was a lot of issues. But those those parents now are like, hey, wait a minute, we gotta we gotta grab a hold of this because you know there, there are things happening in our community that we don't want to happen. You know, um, right? You know, um, you know, kids using drugs, ki- kids killing each other, um, kids killing parents. You know, which is not and none of that stuff is good or positive. But the, you know, um, the community uh, saw saw that as a problem. And I think that, you know, from what I see, how people are parenting their kids now, mm-hmm. um, it, 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 there's been a big change, you know, wow. uh, and, and uh, which is good. There's still work to do. Um, Absolutely. Uh, there's always work to do. I mean, um, you know, uh, for, uh, for a few years, I mean, there's been some issues with young men and, um, you know, um, not knowing how to express themselves, you right. know, um, and things ending yeah. tragically. Mm-hmm. So, and I tell you, Brian, but, um, that is one of the things, and I've, I've had the privilege to be around you a lot mm-hmm. um, with you as a coach. And we, and I do want us to talk a little bit about that. But more importantly, yeah. your focus as being a coach and having that opportunity to mold young men, I have seen you teach them, you know, how do you respect women, how you, Mm -hmm. you know, open a door, how you speak to them, how you relate to them. I have seen you drill that in and use that opportunity as a coach and mentoring young men in such a positive way. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. So being a coach and being around kids and being coming from, uh, you were an athlete yourself, correct? Yes, yes, I was. Mm-hmm. What what all sports did you play? In high school, I, I played uh, football, basketball, and I wrestled. So, so you you're yeah. pretty well rounded there, and now yeah, you're yeah. in a community and um, a, a, such a um, strategic part of a community and working with the youth. And mm-hmm. when you heard uh, Trent Blankenship, the superintendent, say that they wanted to start a football program, did you think it was a good idea? 
or what were what were, what went through your mind? You know, when uh, when Trent came to me and he says, "Hey, um, I want to start a football program. You know, would you like to be a part of it?" And you know, I've been a part of the community for a while, and uh, my good friends were trying to get hockey established in the community. And I, and I thought that was an easy thing to, you know, make happen because uh-huh. we had an ice rink, you know, we had, we already had a lot of the supplies. I said, well, I said, why, why not hockey? Let, let's, you know, they have all the things. He says, no, you know, the, we took a survey and the kids want football. And yeah, at that moment, I was just like, well, if they want football, I said, I'm going to be a part of it. I mean, definitely give me something to do in this community. And, uh, now, what what do you, you the nat- the native people, um, their take on football, an outdoor sport? Um, there's mm-hmm. there was no covered area you could play football, so no. outdoor sp- sport in a very harsh climate. Um, but what was yeah. their take on on football? You know. Initially, when the whole idea of football came up that we were getting football and, and barrel, you know, we had a lot of people uh, kind of protest against it. But then we had others, you know, for those that protested against it, we probably had twice as many that were like, yes, let's do this. And um, which was pretty exciting. I mean, for me, when people could step back and, and, and not think about the money, you know, my, my thing was, I'm like, these are your children. And we're spending dollars for something positive and that's going to help them move forward in life. I mean, you know, we, we've heard it over and over about the dropout rate and 100 percent of it being the Alaskan native, you know, the, the native population in the school. And, um, you know, why not try something different and out of the box to help, you know, combat uh, kids dropping out of school? Mm-hmm. And it did, Kathy. I mean, you know, the numbers changed. You know, when, when yeah, you know, I, I have been asked that many, many times. And I so I asked to see the, the numbers and I had that sent, you know, by the state and yeah. it was substantial. Um, the from when football was started um, uh-huh. till like two years later, um, kids that were enrolled in school and going on, you know, to the next grade level, it had right. like doubled um, mm-hmm. from from you know bef- the previous uh, you know two years previous before right, football. Right. So it did have a lot of impact, but I don't know that it was particularly the sport, but it was the way it was handled and having right. great coaches like yourself and and, mm-hmm. and Coach Mark Boss and, and many others. And also yeah. just giving, you know, hope to a community because, um, you know, pretty much they got a lot of exposure from that and got to see that people cared about them. I'm so glad right. that I had a little part of that, you know, with having, mm-hmm. especially with having you guys yeah. come, come down to uh, Florida and, and bringing the team down. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that was one of the neat things. We heard about you guys from ESPN uh, doing a special and we contacted you guys and invited you to come down to Jacksonville, Florida, to Bartram Trail and practice with our team. Yeah. Um, just tell a few things that you remember about that that you think was a turning point. Well, the, the first thing I talk about is that me and Carl almost broke into the wrong house. Now, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That's one of the first things I remember. But, uh, you know, for, for me, what comes to mind, Kathy, is, uh, you know, that's when I, I, I came back to, to, to Jesus Christ and giving my life back to Christ, you know, was uh, which was a, a, such a memorable thing there. You know, I'll never forget Fruit Cove Baptist Church there yeah. and, um, you know, Pastor Maynard and, and all of them. I mean, the, the memory is there and I, 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 you know, I'm so thankful for it. But uh, Well, you know, Brian, and, and I will tell you uh, your testimony about um you know coming to you know back to the lord and i and i think mm-hmm. when we asked you about that you you said that you had known the lord when you were young 
but then mm-hmm. you had gotten far away. But then when you saw how we loved you all, you knew, yeah. okay, this is how. And it just made me, and it's something that I will always remember, at least I hope I never, never, never forget, that you mm-hmm. can preach to somebody, you can you can scold them, you can, you can do all kinds right. of things, but the way to someone's heart is through showing kindness and love. That's absolutely it. You know, Kathy, I mean, you know, the, the love and kindness that was shown to myself and the rest of the, the players and coaches, we went there. It, for me, it was absolutely mind blowing. Uh, you know, I remember, um, and I was just having this conversation with Amanda. Do you remember Amanda? Yes, I do. Um, uh, about um, when the team arrived um, to to Bartram Trail there, and they had the sidewalk and uh, you know uh, parking lot there all lined with people um, that knew didn't know either. I mean, like you, you know, we had met, you know, you, Kathy. And, but we didn't know anybody else from like a can of paint. Right. And when the when the buses pulled up and uh, they started clapping and cheering, and I remember turning to Amanda and I said, "Who, who are they clapping for?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I was like, who, who are they clapping for?" And the way that the team was received. Uh, coming off the bus, uh, you know, it, it, I, I just knew it was it was just something um, totally amazing. They got off the bus and, you know, I, I saw nothing but hugs and smiles and people, you know, kids being handed off. You know, they were, they were being given to the families, to the parents of the players there at Barton Trail. Right. And, you know, putting their hands and they just accepted them. And it was just a really great thing to see, um, you know, even to the, to you know, Kathy, the home that we stayed in, and I still think to this day, I was just like, man, <clears throat> um, I'm like, they, they didn't go on vacation. They they weren't like leaving. They <laughs> gave up their house to us. Now, we, us yeah, that, that is that is a great story. So, <clears throat> um, so we needed a home that the coaches could stay in. The players were all staying with our players um, in their homes. And so we were like, you know, my husband, in fact, Carl was, he said, you know, it'd be great because they're going to want to talk and meet in the evenings. It'd be great if all the coaches, instead of us, you know, divvying, you know, putting them in different homes, if they could all stay together. And this friend of mine, uh, Judy Hooten, who I mm-hmm. would walk with, I I told her, I said, we need, we need a home where we can put all the coaches. She said, well, they can stay in my home. So she made all the arrangements and all that um, for that Great. to happen. And what was the funny thing was, though, that Carl misunderstood my directions on which home it yeah. was. And so you and Carl almost yeah. broke into someone's home that was not Judy's home. So. Right, right. <laughs> and you had the wrong suitcase at that. You picked up the wrong suitcase from. Uh, yeah. So you had a you had quite a, a first impression of, uh, of of the area with all that going on. And, um, but, but it was, it was a wonderful thing to be able to do that, to be able to host you all, um, for our players who, you know, Brian, you -hmm. know, cause you, you, you grew up, you know, playing ball from a young age and, you know, my kids, you know, with their dad playing and with them playing since they were very, very young to be able to teach, um, guys their age you know, how right. to play a sport. It was just a great opportunity for them to give back, mm-hmm. you know, in such a tangible way. So it was so life-changing for us um, as as well as it was for you guys. And then getting to go to the Jaguar Stadium and meeting the Jacksonville oh. Jaguars and just all yeah. those fun things. It, 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 it was just, you know, an amazing uh uh, trip, and I'm so blessed that I was uh, able to be a part of that and have an opportunity, to, you know, to work in that. And definitely, you, you know, what it did for me, me, Kathy, was it gave me it was a starting of a foundation, right? You know, um, 
uh, uh, watching how things were done there at Barchin Trail, the, the head coach. Yeah. That, you know, watching him and how he, you know, handled uh, his staff and the kids and the program, he, he, you know, it definitely laid a foundation for me to come back. And when I got the opportunity to take the realms of uh, their barrel that, you know, I definitely wanted to emulate some of those things with the kids. And, you know, one of the things and coming from the field of social services and working in that was that, you know what, I, I, I'm going to, you know, we're going to change lives and we're going to create men yes. that are going to be great citizens for the community and no yes. matter where they go, you know, and that, that, that's been my goal. It still is my goal. And, um, you know, the kids that, that I work with that, you know what, they're going to go on to be fathers and you yes. know, bosses and workers. And uh, I want them to be the best that they can be no matter where they are. And know that during difficult times that, you know, what they're, they're going to shine uh, and that, and that, you know, that they'll make it and they're going to come out on the other side and they're going to be a part of the process and, and, you know, part of the solution and not the problem. So. Can you think of some success stories? Because I know uh, with with Carl being a coach and and throughout the time where we've mm-hmm. been able to yeah. impart, I can think of, OK, God. That's one right there. That's two. You know, I can think of, okay, yeah. we made a difference here. Can you think of some? I, 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 I will give you one, Kathy, that is, to me, a, a, a great story. Um, we had a young man on our team. Um, and I, uh, for the sake of it, I, I, I won't use names, but I'll, I'll give you the experience. This young man, his, his mother had died, you know, um, early on in his life. And it was just him and his dad and his brother. And his dad had some, you know, issues of his own, some, you know, personal issues. Um, and uh, some of it got directed towards him and his brother. And can I tell you, you know, we had two-a-day practices and things like that you know, all across American football. When it came time, we're doing that. You know, this young man would come to, to practice uh, he'd do the first practice. The dad would he'd go home during lunchtime, and his dad would have him doing just like really hard, like they're hanging sheetrock, they're moving gravel, you know. And I'm like, wow. He'd come back to the second practice. He'd do that, and then he'd spend the whole night working. His dad would just have him working, doing stuff. Him and his brother. And um, I'm like, man, uh, you know, his dad had some issues and got caught up in the system of social services, you know, for neglect of his kids. But this young man just persevered not every day. And like, I would just watch him. And I remember asking, I said, I said, you know, actually what I said to him, Kathy, I said, you know what? I said, you're going to be a millionaire. I said, mm-hmm. you have a work ethic. You have a, a work ethic. Like nobody I know. And like, you're unbreakable, you know, because any other, me, I would have been like, something's got to give, either football's going to give, or I got to, you know, at home, it's going to give. This young man went on to school, to college, he went to Gonzaga on an academic scholarship. Wow. They don't have football there. I mean, this, so his testimony, he went there on an academic scholarship. He's graduated and he's living a great life right now, Kathy. And like, you know, um, I just spoke with him not too long ago and, you know, he like, he said, thank you, you know, for football and being there. And I, and, you know, that's all I need. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm like, uh, you know, if I can, if I had, if I had any part of you being successful and where you are today and, you know, you're saying thank you to me, then, you know, um, it's great because, you know, we never know what we do with these kids, how we speak and what we're, pouring into them how it's going to come out until years later until they're you know they're they're much older they they become adults and they have their own families and you know their own businesses and jobs and those things you know they manifest then and um you know if i can help to lay the foundation where something's going to grow out of it where you know they're going to be great citizens you know uh, of this world then you know uh, i'm, I'm going to keep trying to plant the seed well, and you've got so many more stories. And yeah. you know what? You're exactly right. My husband says that. He goes, you know, 
I think I'm doing a good job, but I'm not really going to know until I see what kind of husband, what kind of father, what kind of citizen that young man turns out to be. Mm -hmm. So, you Mm -hmm. know, those are your jewels. You know, that's that's your reward. And you've got many of those. Coach, it's been such a pleasure talking with you today. And I'm just so thankful. I love hearing what's going on in your life. I love that you're still coaching. So brag a little bit about your team that uh, won state championship last year. So I'm coaching now at um, South Anchorage High School, South Anchorage Wolverine. And um, I've been on staff there now going on um, uh, four years, which is uh, pretty, pretty great. I like it. Um, I actually got on staff there. We had played South um, uh, previously. They came up to Barrow. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, yeah. And, and uh, um, they, they brought up their JV team to play our varsity, but we, we beat them. And um, uh, I was walking out of a store one day and one of the coaches recognized me and he calls my name. I really, I didn't remember him at the time, but told me where he was at. I told him I just moved to Anchorage. I asked him if they had any spots. He said, yeah, they brought me on and, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still there. But uh, th- this team, Kathy, you know, one of the, gr- the great things about it is, is that, you know, kids are pretty much the same everywhere we go, Yeah. you, you know. And uh, South is, is, is probably one of the, the most affluent schools in Anchorage, you know. Um, a lot of the family, a lot of the kids' parents, they work in the oil industry or, uh-huh. you know, have really um, good, good paying, good paying jobs. Um, and, uh, but the kids there, they, they create a work ethic that, you know, and I think, you know, partly because of the coaches too. Um, but these kids, they really worked hard and we had a special group of kids last year. Um, and, you know, we had this theme of I believe, you know, mm-hmm. and um, although, I mean, we lost, we lost three games and, you know, uh, things didn't look too well for us. But you know what? We peaked at the right time. We had, a, you know, we had a great deal of amazing, amazing talent. We got a quarterback that, you know, he's got legs and can run so he can extend plays mm-hmm. for us, which, you know, helped us out a great deal. And um um, we just went on. It was just an amazing feat. I mean, the team that we beat in the championship, we had lost to in the regular season. And um, uh, so that was that was kind of rewarding in, in itself. But, you know, to be a part of the program <clears throat> and uh, when we went in and the coach, you know, Walter Harmon, a coach was like, you know, we're going to change the culture uh-huh. here, you know, from the previous coach. Previous coach used the theme of like um, uh, Star Wars and the dark side and stuff like that, you know, kind of, you know, positive, but in a negative way. I mean, you know, um, playing sports, I guess, you know, football, you can get away with using themes like that. But we got away from that and started using more positive terms, um, uh, allowing kids to um, develop their skills, you know, by you know giving them instructions and then letting them figure it out yeah. it was even kind of new for new for myself as a coach like you know he this belief that he had was like hey we're going to give him instructions let him go do it right and we're not going to coach him all the way through the process let it happen let it develop yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out mm-hmm. and you know what it, it was an amazing thing these, these kids did they developed um that way now we've changed the culture there over this is his third year there um as head coach and um, it, it, it's great. I'm glad to be a part of it. Um, you know, we, we have a, a group of young men who um, uh, that have a spiritual connection, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, which I'm glad to be around that and that, that, that that's present. And, um, you know, I, I'm thankful and pretty blessed to be where we are. And uh, we had a great season. We're looking forward to this season. We have, you know, a lot of our skill set returning, you know few gaps to fill on the O and defensive line, but, uh, you know, it looks good for, it looks promising for us, you know. Well, that's exciting. I wish you the best of 
the best of a season and I hope I hope you guys yeah. get get to have the season just like everybody is hoping that they'll get to play their seasons yeah. uh, this fall um, very blessed that Alaska is not one of those states that's heavily hit and with yeah. uh, COVID-19 and and you guys um, continued the great work coach you've made a difference yeah. in a lot of lives you've made a difference in mine you've made a lot just a a difference in tremendous difference in many lives. And I just want you to know how much we appreciate you. And thank you for taking time today to just to, to relive and tell us some of your great experiences and just enjoy talking to you. Yeah. Thank you, Kathy. You know, this, all of this has been a life changing experience for me. And uh, I'm just so glad that, um, you know, that I've I got an opportunity to meet you and, and Carl and, and the others, Kathy Cope. I, I never, I, I, yep. don't forget her and her family. Um, you know, um, I, I'm just really happy and blessed that, you know, I, I've been able to be a part of such an amazing thing and that it can continue on and we can continue to grow and, you know, one, share, share the word of God with people yes. and change lives that way. Um, you know, so, and that uh, we can just continue on. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy, uh, you know, for this whole experience. And um, it, it just keeps getting better. It does. So, it does. Yeah, it continues it on. And like you had said earlier, you're seeing those young men now that are great husbands and dads and, and um, yeah. you know, being successful in their things. That, mm-hmm. that gives us momentum, doesn't it? Oh, it definitely does, you know, when I see them and, you know, they come up and they're, they're holding their baby in their arm and like, hey, coach, I'm like, man, great to see that you're being a good father, you know. Yes, that, you yes. Know, you, 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 you know, you're holding on to that, you know. So, yeah, and all, all the things that we worked on and, you know, wanting them to be respectful to women and to people in their communities. Yes. And, you know, just trying to uphold the same values that the community has, you know. Yes. Um, and, and, and help strengthen that so and that it's not forgotten. And I think sometimes people lose sight of that and looking at, you know, athletic programs and things. I mean, we we are an extension of the community. That's right. Uh, you know, yeah. we're, you know, and that we work to make, you know, better men and women of the community. That's exactly know. right. And it is not all about the wins and losses. We love to win. You no. know, it is fun yeah. to win. But Absolutely. it is so much more, so much more. Mm-hmm. And Coach, you, you've you done a great job of emulating that. So thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for how you sow into the next generation and keep up the good work. Great. Well, thank you, Catherine. I, I appreciate you having me on. I really do. And uh, hope things continue to go well for you. And uh, I'm praying for you and Carl and your family. Thank you. And, uh, yeah. So. All right. Thank you, brother. Okay. Hey, Kathy, you take care. Okay. You too, Brian. Uh, all right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on Beyond the Ball Field, where we are using lessons learned in sports to positively impact our family and others. For more information on how you can be a positive influence beyond the ball field, go to our website, beyondtheballfield.com.